Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Here we are for another week of Don't Box Me In. You know, at my house, I have placed a customized doormat by the front door. And it says, uh, this home is a peaceful place. Leave your chaos on the doorstep. It's a constant visual reminder of how I want the energy around me to flow. My guest today is going to help us figure out how to bring more joy, wholeness, and balance to our lives. Author of Nurturing Wellness Through Radical Self-Care and Pathways to Wholeness, Janet Nestor, who is also a licensed professional counselor, diplomat in comprehensive energy psychology, and a certified soul detective, will share with us how to recover from stress, anxiety, depression, trauma, and other distressing symptoms in our life. Janet empowers others to find their path in life and reconnect with their joyful essence. It is with pleasure that I welcome Miss Janet Nestor to Don't Box Me In today. Welcome, welcome, Janet. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. looking forward to it. Good deal. I always appreciate people making time for me. Um, so, Janet, uh, tell us a little bit more about Janet. Have you always been in this line of work? I've always, um, I've always been in um, fields similar to what I'm doing now. My first career was actually in uh, special education, and uh, I did that for years and realized that what I was doing was actually more counseling and empowerment than it was teaching. So I just switched over and uh, became a holistic mental health therapist, and I actually love what I do, and I love what um, just little teeny tiny changes can contribute to our lives. Very sure. interesting work. Mm-hmm. Always nice to help others. Have you been doing this long? I've been in, you know, the helping field since um, about 1970. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, time. touching people's lives, changing lives for a long time there. For a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so in your, your lengthy resume there, um, a couple of things I noticed. It says that you're a uh, certified soul detective and uh, oh, radiant yes. energies balance master practitioner and educator. So what yes. exactly is that? Well, they're two different things. Okay. Um, soul detective is a kind of therapy, um, mm-hmm. but it is a uh, goal-based therapy. It's really, uh, it helps everyone. There's a, Everyone can get something from this technique. However, it's people who have long-lasting um, issues that do not resolve normally, you mm-hmm. know, with regular treatment or talking to your pastor or just having, you know, a good circle of friends, if that doesn't, you know, help help you to recover, uh, sometimes soul detective work can because it not only looks at what's going on in your life now and, you know, what your life has been up to this point, there are special protocols that let us do uh, work into our ancestors and into our gene, you know, into our genealogy and into past lives and all kinds of things like that that actually contribute to our stress levels today. Um, okay. It's just very interesting stuff. Like if your mom or dad have uh, lots of trauma uh, at your conception, you I mean, when those two cells join you received some of that trauma in their cells, some of that trauma memory. So working through our lineage is a very important thing to do. Okay, okay. So that's the um, soul detective. Now, what makes that uh, different than, I guess, maybe your traditional uh, sitting down and, and talking to your quote-unquote shrink for an hour? How, how are the, the treatments, <laughs> how are the treatment st- strategies different? Well, um, it, it's a therapy, but it's a very unique therapy. The mm-hmm. terminology is very different. The way we use the technique is very different so that someone, say, who has a history of talking to their shrink, you know, for 
five years or two years or even a year, cannot follow along and guess what's coming next in the soul detective work. So mm-hmm. it helps people move into a higher level of awareness and consciousness um, and actually be more authentic with themselves, which is so, so important for us all. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the um, the Radiant Energies Balance Master Practitioner, what is what is that? Well, Radiant Energies Balance is actually an energy psychology. Mm-hmm. Energy psychology either uses the meridians of the body, which are the same acupoints that an acupressure, acupuncturist would use. Okay. But, okay. but we use it for emotional release, or they use the chakras of the body. Um to, you know, to find the root of a problem. But uh, Radiant Energy Balance uses four of the meridians, which do double duty as the radiant circuit, uh, the triple warmer, the spleen meridian, the central and the governing vessels. And when they're united, it creates this amazing relaxation, which is very similar to a meditative state. Allows okay. you to go deep within and, and have a level of awareness that is or pregnant with a high-risk pregnancy, they can do whatever they need to do therapeutically um, and be safe without any disruption to their system. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing that since about 2000. Okay. And Mm -hmm. as far as as psychology um, is concerned, is this a new breed of um, psychology or has it been around for a while? Are you talking about the energy psychology? Yes, the energy psychology. Yeah, all the energy psychologies and the adaptations of them, like the soul detective work, are new. They they just have been around. Well, it, it's new in the field of psychology to say that this has been evolving since the mid-80s. Okay. And it's just now coming into a more dominant role in the field and becoming much more impactful. Um, say, for instance, um, EMDR, which is a trauma release therapy, was um, approved by insurance several years ago. And EFT, one of the energy psychologies, is now recognized by the American Psychiatric Association. So very slowly these techniques are coming into the mainstream and okay. really are the cutting edge of therapy and really will be, the, they are the, these are going to become the traditional therapies that we have when we go uh, for help, not in the the near future. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So I'm assuming um, that these particular types of techniques, these these coming-of-age psychology techniques, um, are less likely to rely on um, medication and and stuff like that, more so other tools to make a person whole and well again, correct? Oh, that is so correct. You're absolutely right. We... The whole idea of a holistic approach is to try mind-body approaches, mind-body emotions, spirit approaches, whole person approaches before medication. And sometimes medication is needed, but even when you're using these techniques, usually far less medication is needed, and which I think is very important. Gotcha. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. I, you know, I always think uh, we sometimes default to medication as the quick fix, but uh, we should explore other other methods of healing people before we give somebody a pill. Oh, we live in a pill society. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we take pills for everything. We're, you know, because it's quick. Yeah. Medicines want quick. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> give, give them a pill. Now, um, your book, your uh, one of your books, let me say, Nurturing Wellness Through Radical Self-Care. That is the title. Um, it is. What, what is the difference between radical self-care and just <laughs> self-care or other forms of self-care? Right. That's a wonderful question. And um, it's, it's a complex answer. I wish I could just go boom, boom and give you that answer, but I really <laughs> can't. 
um, self-care, when we think of it, we usually think of taking care of our physical body. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, staying well-groomed and getting herself to the dentist and getting herself for annual exams and those kinds of things. Um, you know, doing what mom taught us to do when we were little kids as, mm-hmm. uh, as self-care. Very few people, you know, when they come into my office or, hello? Yep, here. Oh, I thought I lost you. Oh, um, no, I'm still people. here. <laughs> I heard you speak, <laughs> and I thought, uh-oh. Um, uh, very few people, when I say to them, you know, how do you take care of yourself emotionally, can actually give me an answer. Or how do I, how do you take care of yourself spiritually? You know, I there's, there's dead air. People don't know how to respond to that, and that's because it's terminology and, and concepts that we're not used to. So radical self-care takes in the whole spectrum of a human being, all the levels of our being, not just our physiological level. And I, I used the, I coined the word radical self-care because, you know, I looked in the dictionary and I'm thinking, you know, what does this word radical actually mean? And there's a very, very seldom used definition that I love, which says exactly what I wanted to say, and that is that radical, when it's used as an adjective, means getting to the heart of an issue. You know, stop mm-hmm. beating around the bush, but just look deep, get to the heart of it, and do what you need to do to, you know, to take care of that issue. And sometimes that's just really hard to do. We want to do all, we want to take care of all of our symptoms, but we don't necessarily get to the heart of the issue. And that's the the difference. Got you. Now, you mentioned that um, we are groomed to, you know, brush our teeth and take a bath and, you know, um, take care of those kinds of elements of our life. Why do you think it is we're not groomed to or taught to take care of our emotional well-being? I mean, it it seems like it's something that we we need vitally to, you know, survive. I know. I just saw a quote by the Dalai Lama the other day on Facebook, actually, and I thought, wow, this is a wonderful quote. It said, if, it was about, if we taught every eight-year-old child to medicate in one generation, the world would be a much more peaceful place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a brief, I mean, that's not exactly the word, but that's the idea of it. We don't, in our society, in most Western societies, we don't teach our kids, uh, we don't, um, it, in other words, if we ask somebody how they're feeling today, they're usually going to tell us they're happy, they're sad, they're tired, or whatever, but they very seldom, or maybe angry, but they very seldom talk about any other emotions. As human beings, and we don't, we're not familiar, we don't actually know what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. We're not taught to observe that. And then for kids who, when we come into life, when we're born, we're, we're born with open intuition and open awareness. And oftentimes, you know, as parents, we're kind of threatened by when our kids say something that's a little offbeat and it's something that we're not used to, to hearing. You know, we want to, you know, get them right into that mainstream. And so we actually... We actually teach emotional awareness and spiritual awareness right out of our children in our culture. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a very sad state of affairs because we don't, we really don't, most parents, I don't say all parents, but most parents don't say to their kids when they get angry, gosh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I see that you're angry. Anger, being angry is absolutely normal. You mm-hmm. know, let's talk about it. You know, we, we're taught not to show our anger, not to show our emotions, and, um, or to, you know, wait for an appropriate time or, rather than just be who we are in the moment. Understood, understood. It seems like we, um, we groom everybody to be emotionally unhealthy as adults. Um, I mean, and it, it seems like this has been going on for quite some time then. Oh, for, for a really long time. <laughs> Uh, um, it's not something that just happened. But our our culture is slowly becoming much more aware. I think mindfulness, the art of mindfulness, which 
is not an everyday word yet, but it's certainly a more common word than it used to be. But meditation is certainly, you know, an everyday word, and breathing exercises and things like that are becoming much more common. Like if you go to a mainstream therapist now, you're liable to be taught mindfulness, or you're liable, to, uh, you're you're know, liable to be taught breathing, which was never heard of, you know, mm. 20 years ago. So those things are coming more mainstream, and and more parents are teaching their kids to be more aware and more mindful of what's going on, and teaching them to live in the moment, and uh, rather than. Uh, worry about the future or worry about the past or whatever. So um, I think our culture is slowly changing, but we've got a we got a ways to go yet. But I'm very encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Well, Janet, it's time for me to take my uh, first break and uh, get to okay. some commercials. So hold on and hang in there with me, okay? Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Today I am with Janet Nestor, who has a very long resume, but at the core of that, she teaches us how to have a more balanced life. And, Janet, before the break, you had brought up this uh, concept of mindfulness and your your book, Pathways to Wholeness. You do talk about it. Um, could you kind of break it down and explain to us exactly what mindfulness is. I sure can. It's been around for centuries, actually. Um, mm-hmm. It goes way back, at, excuse me, I would think as part of, part of early Chinese medicine because it's very similar to Tai Chi and other kinds of um, arts of that nature. But uh, briefly, mindfulness means now focused, present moment living, Mm-hmm. Um, without judgment. So it's kind, compassionate, non-critical living in the moment. Okay. Um, and there are variations of that definition, but they're all pretty much the same. Um, I, Thich Nhat Hanh, a Buddhist monk, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk, is the modern-day modern uh, father of meditation uh, in uh, the Western world, for sure. But what people always think is that, you know, this is a religious practice, and it is not a religious practice. It is a spiritual practice. It is a practice for relaxation. Um, It's a a self-healing technique, but it is not a religious practice. Um, uh, There are lots of books on uh, mindfulness now. One of the primary authors in the United States is John Kabat-Zinn, who established the uh, center at uh, uh, Massachusetts General, oh gosh, uh, probably in the 70s. Okay. So it was, it, it's been around for a while in our country, but it hasn't been, um, it's just, you know, you're just hearing about it more and more often, more and more often. Um, it's not an activity. You know, you can do mindfulness activities, mm-hmm. mindful breathing or mindful walking or, you know, mindful meditation. Those are activities, but mindfulness okay. is a lifestyle. You okay. know, so when we want, we are encouraged to adopt a mindful way of life, which means living in the moment and focused in the moment so that we're fully present with whatever we're doing. Like, I want to be fully present with you right now rather than thinking about, you know, 20 other things or multitasking. Gotcha. Uh, um, so I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give anybody is to be fully present with them. You know, be fully present with our children, be fully present with our spouse. It's just yeah. really important uh, to give that gift, and that's part of mindfulness. I mean, and you bring up a valid point. I mean, especially with today's world and technology, with the 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 pressure to multitask, you know, the the smartphones in our hand, we are trying to concentrate on a variety of things instead of the task at hand or the person in front of us. Um, and it it does take away from the quality of our experiences. I, I think when we do we do all of that at the same time. Oh. 
It really does because we're never really fully getting the benefit of much, you know, mm-hmm. of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to listen and it's really important to hear and, and you know, those things are just part of being the wonderful things that makes it really wonderful to be alive, to feel mm-hmm. like you're hurt. That's, that's, that's a really wonderful gift. Gotcha. So given the fact that we are where we are as a society with technology and, and everything, like I said, um, and how, do, how does one become, how does, how, does, how does one bring mindfulness into their life? Well, I think uh, what I usually teach is, you know, I tell people, pick something that's easy for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I first started teaching walk, walking meditation, my class was, they, I, every class, they would say, well, I don't have time to do that. And mm-hmm. I said, well, do you have time to walk to the mailbox? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then you can take mindful present moment steps to the mailbox. Mm-hmm. You know, you have time, you walk, to the, walk from your car to the grocery store, you walk from your car to the post office, so to work. You know, the idea is to make it part of your life rather than to make it something you have to do. Like, if I say, you know, in order to be mindful, you've got to do 20 minutes of mindful meditation every day. And some people just want to roll their eyes and tell me, you know, (laughs) they don't have time for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I also say, do you have time to breathe? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, well, yes. True. <laughs> true. Always true, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So you have then time to take a mindful breath. Yeah. How many of us are aware of our breath? Mm-hmm. The only time we're aware of our breath is when we sneeze or, you know, when someone scares us and we, you know, yes. you know get one of that kind of a gasp or something like that. We're aware of our, our breath, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. So everybody has time to take a, a mindful breath. What we just have to we have to start power. to train ourselves for it to become a part of our lifestyles. It, it is, yes, we train ourselves for it to be part of our lifestyle. And, you know, so say you're doing walking meditation every morning, or you're doing a breathing meditation once a day, or whatever. Those things begin to blend into each other, and you're thinking about it more often. It's like one of the first things that I teach people is to do a, a 10 breath um, gong and and they say, oh, you know, and I said, well, do it when you stop at the stoplight. Just okay. Just the stoplight and take 10 breaths. If you can't take 10 breaths, take five. That's still some conscious breathing that you're doing, you know. If you're sitting at a business meeting, you can, um, you know, you can breathe. You can concentrate on your breathe. You'll actually do a better job in the meeting, if you're constant, if you're focusing on your breath and relaxing your body, okay. Um, I one of the primary things that keep people from meditation and doing things like mindfulness is that they feel it will make them less, uh, you know, acutely alert. Like if you're going into a, a competition or you're going into a high-powered meeting, you want to be at the top of your game, and they think if they um, meditate first that they're going to go they're going to be in la la land you know, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. all spaced out and not be able to do what they need to do but it's actually the absolute reverse okay. if you take time to breathe you take time to you know do the radiant energy balance self help for five minutes you're going to go in to your game, whatever that game is, much more alert, much more focused than you would otherwise. Uh, do I have time for a story? Sure, go ahead. Um, year, years ago, when I first started doing Radiant Energy Balance, I lived in a town with a major university there and, you know, a major uh, college football team, and I was seeing some of the kids from that university in my practice, and um the coach sent this anxiety-ridden football player to my office, and, you know, he was beating his fist into lockers and trying to kill people on the field and mm. and all that kind of stuff because, not really kill them, but, you know, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. because he was just so full of anxiety and anger. 
And uh, I, I said, well, you know, let's learn this technique. Let's learn this, the you know, the radiant energy balance thing because it's wonderful with anxiety. And um, and he 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 could not believe. He just couldn't believe we did it in the office a few times. And he would start. I'd say, now if you just get in the posture, do this a couple times. Before the game, before you run onto the field, you're gonna you're gonna have a better game. And he he just couldn't get that through his head. And he tried it, and it was like a whole new experience for him. Instead of you know being so uptight, being over energized, you know, to the point where you're not really focused. He was more focused. He could take instructions from his coach. He wasn't you know, trying to hurt people anymore. It was amazing different for him. Just, you know, five minutes before a game. Or mm. it was just changed his life. Changed his mm. whole life. And I and I and I want people to hear that athletes can do this. And high powered executives can do this. Um, you know, one of the things that I do is teach people to do the radiant energy balance or relaxation posture in the shower or do mindful breathing in the shower. Everybody mm-hmm. takes a shower. Yeah. So why not just rest your head against the wall of the shower, let the water beat down on you, and consciously breathe for two minutes? You know, okay. it's life-changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take care of all at one time. Well, Janet, it's time for our second break of the day. So uh, we're going to do some commercials now, and we'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I am speaking with Janet Nestor today. She is the author of Nurturing Wellness Through Radical Self-Care and Pathways to Wholeness. And uh, Janet, before the break, you had talked to us about the importance of meditation. That's an important part of um, what you teach. But also you um, want people to do such things as journaling and affirmations. How important is uh, journaling to self-care? Well, um, and to the to the pathway, uh, excuse me, to the nurturing wellness, the radical self uh, self help program is very important um, because we teach people to journal after meditation because um, when we meditate, we're in an altered state of consciousness and we understand things or have insight insights into things that we don't normally do in our waking consciousness. And because we're in an altered state, we will forget them. We think we're going to remember them forever, but we don't. So we ask people to to, to journal afterwards. But uh, the second half of the book is actually um, a record-keeping kind of program where you're journaling your daily activities and your and things like that, just to raise our awareness. So there are lots of different ways to journal. Most people think that it's like you sit down and you pour out your heart and you cry or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are many, many different ways to journal. Um, I teach people to keep a, a happy book or a happy journal and um, just get one of those like a little pad or thing that you can keep in your purse or keep in your pocket. And when something really special happens to you, you know, just jot it down. It's like, um, or to once a day think, okay, what good things happen? What special things happened today? What made me smile? What brought, you know, made my heart feel warm today? And it may be, you know, a stranger smiled at you. It may be somebody helped you across the street. It, it may be uh, that, you know, you saw a butterfly landed on your window sill. I mean, it doesn't have to be any huge miracle. Mm-hmm. All the little things to add up to a miracle. So keeping a happy book or a happy journal, that's one way of journaling. And journaling after meditation is a very insightful way to journal. Um, keeping a record of uh, your progress is very enlightening. Um, okay. So, yeah, so there are very, lots of different ways to, to do that that okay. don't take 
hours and hours of time. Got you. Just a few seconds. Now, also, you mentioned um, affirmations, and I know a lot of times I've noticed, you know, a person will say uh, the affirmation, I will be successful, and then they sit there and do nothing. They don't take any steps towards being successful. Um, how do people move from the process of just saying the affirmation to actually living the lifestyle of the affirmations that they speak? Well, I call affirmations positive thought on steroids. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> because I think that's kind of what they are. But um, the whole idea of what I teach anyway, um, and I think other people do too, but particularly to this program and even in the Pathways to Wholeness, walking meditation, positive thought is the center of awareness. So mm-hmm. I teach people to, to begin to be aware of their thinking and be aware of how much negativity actually goes through their mind every day. And there's uh, there are positivity research labs now in several major universities around the country. And, the, and what those labs have learned is that probably as little as 30 percent of our thoughts, sometimes less than that, are positive every day. Mm. And that's mm. what I mean, we don't realize that. So it takes, according to one researcher, it takes three positive thoughts to negate one negative one. Mm. And so, I mean, I get... I mean, not to cut you off, but I guess maybe some of the negative thoughts are so subtle that we don't even realize it. Like, you know, oh, I can't hate, I hate this traffic or, you know, why did my boss give me so much work? I mean, it's, some of it is so subtle we don't know we're, we're doing it. That's exactly right. And so affirmations, like, if you, you have to, if you want to use affirmations to help you raise your awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, say, uh, rather than just to say them. Mm-hmm. And um, I think sometimes people, too, when they're using affirmations, I used to think affirmations were absolutely useless. Okay. Because, I mean, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Okay. I, did that, I thought that for a really long time because we just do say them and we move on. Yes. But if we, like when um, in, in the program, a lot of the times we're not ready to be positive. Affirmations are positive statements. And one of the things that people, uh, we want to learn is what is positive and what is not positive. If, mm-hmm. if I say, I'm never going to do that again, my intention is positive, but mm-hmm. my words aren't. True. I've really, okay. I've really, di- see, I've disciplined myself. Don't you do that again. My inner parent is saying, don't you do that. You're a bad girl. Understood. Okay. Okay. So I think we have to become aware of our language. It has so much negativity just in the language we use. Just on the day, people say, how are you feeling today? Oh, God, I didn't sleep well last mm. night. You know, um, just things that just sort of come out of our mouth uh, automatically without thinking. Um I'm so sorry you were sick. Oh, my God, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> you know, I mean, those are things we just come out of our mouth automatically, and and we have to train ourselves. And I think affirmations, when we pick them appropriately for us, for our special needs, and uh, choose them for a reason, really do help lift us up, help us become more aware of what we're actually thinking. And what I've learned through doing this and what research shows, too, is that most of our negative thoughts come in categories. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's categories are the same. Okay. It may be like maybe my negative thinking would come in anger or self-judgment and where other people's would come, you know, in other ways, you know, critical mm-hmm. of other people or whatever. And But once we begin to monitor our thinking then we realize, oh, my gosh, I'm a worrier. Well, we know we're a worrier, maybe, but we don't know we're worrying, you know, four hours out of every five. Yeah. You know, so awareness is the key. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And, you know, there's another... Go ahead, dear. I interrupted you. I apologize. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. Um, I was just going to say, you you mentioned another thing in in your book that I kind of like. It says that uh, healing is not about recovery. And recovery is the word I want to kind of focus on. Healing is not about recovery from illness, surgery, or divorce. It is about our virtues or the positive aspects of self, acceptance, wellness, joy, kindness, love, tenacity, vigor, tenderness, and compassion. And I bring up the recovery because I think a lot of us are trained to say, you know, we need to hurry up and and get over this or recover from this. But it doesn't seem like that's what you want people to focus on. Am I, I reading that wrong or misinterpreting that? No, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I really am. I think it's just one of the really, it's an underlying premise of the whole book that we're healing is actually something that goes on 24-7 a day, 365 days a year. It's not something that happens when we have, after we have the flu or after we break our leg. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you put a cast on your leg, that's support for your leg, but it's not what's healing you. Mm-hmm. You know, so we begin to look about look at recovery or healing in a very different way. Our body is made to self-regenerate, made to, to recover. Like all of, all of the, our systems are made to work in unity, to lift us up and to keep us healthy. But we're constantly, um, you know, with our negative thinking, with uh, our busy schedules, uh, with get, not getting enough sleep, with eating too many chemicals in our food or whatever it is, mm-hmm. we're constantly taking ourselves out of balance. And so he, I have a, 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 a quote here, I, which is very similar to what you just said, but it has to do with what, what I believe is um, essential for us to begin to think about healing health and healing and recovery in a very different way. So if we're, if I say to you, I'm healing from an illness, you honestly, you, you're thinking, okay, that's really good, you're healing. Mm-hmm. But when I say it the way I just said it, I'm actually saying to you, look, I was really sick, and now I'm not as sick as I was. Hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm, we have to mm-hmm. think about the actual meaning of what we say. We're putting positive words and negative words together. The outcome is going to be not going to be positive. It's going to be neutral at best. But I, I wrote this. Um, I don't know when I wrote it, but I, I, I think it speaks to what we're doing. What, what humanity, what people as a, as a group, not just you and me, humanity's goal is to evolve to a place where we simply use the heart and the virtues that reside within the heart to create more love. Um, in other words, we are at peace with ourselves. There is no inner conflict. There's no conflict between our mind, our body, our emotions, and our awareness. And we are aware of our higher self. I, you know, healing really is, or health, really is self-love. Okay. We think ourselves healthy, or we think ourselves sick. Mm -hmm. We don't know that we do that. You know, as human beings, we don't know that we do that. But if we can learn to live from our heart, with those virtues that you just read, the love, the healing, the peacefulness, the kindness, the generosity, if we can learn to live from those uh, emotions, those virtues, then we are naturally going to be healthier people. Okay. Positive thinkers are healthier people. So I guess there is some... I cut you off again. I'm sorry. I guess there's there's some truth in that old cliche. We worry ourselves sick. Then, oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I cannot um, <laughs> say that any. You know, that is so true. Our body, our 
our uh, inner self, our mind, our body, believes every word that we say. In other words, our body's made to respond to our thoughts. So if we're constantly putting negative directions into, uh, you know, into ourselves, if we're intaking negativity with our self-thought, with our thoughts, with our actions, we're going to get negativity back. It may not be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, energy psychology and the energy medicines look at the whole biofield, the whole energy field of a person. And, you know, we have layers in our energy field. Um, we usually talk about seven of them, but there, it goes, there's a lot more than that. But illness starts way out in the, I'll just say, the seventh layer of our energy field. Okay. And, and as, if we don't do something about it, it keeps coming closer, keeps coming closer. But when it gets to the first layer, when it gets to the, the layer closest to our body, we're going to get sick. Okay. So we have lots and lots of time to get rid of those negative thoughts, get rid of those negative beliefs, get get rid of the, you know, whatever it is that we're, you know, feeding ourselves negatively before it harms us. So, um, but at the same time, uh, we've got to be aware. That's one of the miracles of energy psychology and one of the miracles of um, things like the soul detective work. We can get rid of the wounds long before they make us sick. And I think mm-hmm. that's very powerful. It's, a, it's an empowering thing to know that we can learn strategies to keep ourselves mentally and physically well. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Janet, we're going to take our last break of the day, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of these strategies to get rid of some of the things that might cause us illness. Stay with me. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, welcome back. I am with certified soul detective, Miss Janet Nestor. And before the break, we were talking about how we sometimes, uh, quote unquote, worry ourselves sick. And Janet, you have some therapeutic strategies that are in your book. I think there's a workbook at the very end of the book. Um, what what are your, some of your strategies that you have for people to put them in a better place uh, and have a more positive life? Well, at the end of the book, there all of the there are a lot of the um, REB self help uh, protocols. There's an REB self help uh, for sleep. There's one to help you get through medical tests and procedures, dentist office and stuff. There's an REB for panic attacks and anxiety attacks. In the back of the book, um, there's a list of virtues, those heart feelings, and a list of feelings, both negative and positive, to help raise our awareness. Those are um, all part of uh, the little, you know, <laughs> package of strategies that are in the book, but all through the book there are little things. There's a harmony, mind-body, uh, energetic uh, meditation uh, activity that helps you balance your autonomic nervous system and your mm-hmm. the energy flow into your body. There are a lot of things in the book that um, people can use very easily. It's really not hard to learn the things that uh, I've put together in the book. Okay. And um, is there something briefly, uh, maybe a technique or a strategy that we could do now and share with the audience? Oh, I, I would love to teach uh, I can, uh, how about I give you a choice and you, you kind of, uh, I can teach a t- 10 breath Qigong, which is the first breathing exercise I always teach my clients when they're learning to be consciously aware of their breathing. Or I can teach you very briefly the REB self-help relaxation strategy. Uh, it, either one is fine with me, whichever you feel like is most beneficial for you and your clients. Okay, your, let's do the breathing research. strategies. Okay, let's do that. It's really easy, and anybody can do it. You don't have to have any 
require training. You don't have to have 30 minutes. You just have to uh, give yourself a minute. So can I lead you through it? Because it'll be easier. Sure, go ahead. Sort of demonstrate that. So what um, what we're going to do is take uh, three, uh, we're going to take ten breaths three times. So okay. you want to breathe in slowly and breathe out slowly. And we're breathing in through our nose and out through our nose. Um, sometimes we're taught to breathe in through our nose, out through our mouth, but this teaches you to breathe in and out through your nose. You want to lengthen your breath. Um, if you're doing this on your own, when you're beginning, you might want to have a three-count breath, like, you know, a shorter mm-hmm. breath, and then as you extend it, you might want to have a five-count breath. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to count you through this, and all you're going to do is just listen to my voice and and, and follow the direction. So the, the breathing would be one on the in-breath, two on the out-breath, um, in on, um, you know, especially one in, two out, three in, four out. Okay. And I'll count to ten, mm-hmm. and then I'll ask you to take a break, and you're remembering to breathe through your mouth, and I mean, breathe through your nose and out through your nose, and if you put your tongue on the gum ridge behind your upper teeth, mm-hmm. put your rest your tongue there, you're connecting your central and governing vessels, which are the two primary vessels in your body that uh, regulate your nervous system. Okay. And this creates a, a, a naturally flowing nervous system mm-hmm. uh, uh, channel when you have your tongue there behind your teeth. And here we go. You ready? Okay. All right. All right. So uh, just one on the in-breath. So it's one. want you to pause and then on the second one I want you to think of it this way on the in breath when I get when there's a you know there's the in breath you take it I want you to hold it and I want you to notice the gap between your in breath and your out breath and then the gap between your uh, out breath and your next in breath because in that gap is total silence your mind is absolutely still I want you to look for that. All right, here we go. One, two, your out breath, pause, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Relax for a minute. Notice how you feel, notice how your body feels after that aware breathing. And on the third go-round, again, I want you to think, notice the gap, notice the quietness between the in and out breath. One, two, three. Four, five, six, 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. What happened? That was very relaxing, and you know, um, wow, much better than usually they teach you in through your nose and out through your mouth. But I like that sensation um, much better, that technique much better. It's it's a more relaxing, uh, peaceful kind of feeling there. It's an incredibly peaceful kind of feeling. The research shows that the mucous membrane in your nose is part of your nervous system, is part of your autonomic nervous system which regulates your heartbeat, your breathing, rate of breathing, your blood pressure. And so when you're breathing in and out through your nose, you're giving your body an extra little boost toward relaxation. Did you notice the gap and how quiet it was between the breath? Yes, yes, indeed, yes. Isn't that amazing? There's amazing. Not a... <laughs> <laughs> amazing. And, that, and it's just all built in. It's built in. One um, people who have anxiety or people who are worriers think they cannot quiet their mind. They think it's impossible, but the truth is that quiet is built in to our body. Wow. Silence is built in, and all we have to do is get in touch with it. Good deal. Well, Janet, you know what? Um, it looks like me and you have been together for about an hour now, and it goes so wow. fast for me. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing. And uh, and now I'm all peaceful and mellow at the end here, and I have to wrap this up. <laughs> uh, but my guest today has been Janet Nestor. Uh, please, everybody, go visit her website, um, mindfulpathways.com. Buy the books, and she also has uh, classes. You can set up for individual sessions and learn more of what we did today. Janet, I want to thank you so much for being on the show for me uh, with me today, and I wish you continued joy, peace, and balance. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure to be with you, Anna. Likewise. Likewise, likewise. That is all for this week's show. I'm mellow and relaxed. I'll be back next week at the same time. Till then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life.